Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, there's a jolly energy in the house. I think there's a jolly energy in your house too. Yeah, what is that? Maybe it's because we record here mostly. I've been thinking about smudging. Are we recording? Yeah. (laughs) Hi, ladies. (laughs) Hello, girlies. What's smudging? When you get sage and you Uh, sort out the vibe. Because sometimes there's like a bad vibe. And I know it's my own mental health. But I think maybe smudging might... Maybe I Might help. smudge at my house. Remember when I smudged when I was living in LA and I thought there was a ghost in the wardrobe? And yeah. And I smudged the shit out of that room and then it stank all my clothes out. It was horrible. Did the ghost go? The ghost left. So ghosts don't like sage? Well, yeah, obviously. What do you mean obviously? Everyone knows that. That's I why know, but that's so it. random. I yeah. don't like talking about ghosts. Neither. Because... One might appear. <laughs> Join us for the pod. Wait, have you seen Yellow Jackets? No, I haven't watched it yet. I really want to. Okay. Stop with the necklace again, I actually Grace. need to take them off. It's like a... A habit. A crutch. Well, what yeah. I do when while you jangle your fucking necklaces in front of the I'll mic, I pick my skin. So who's yeah, the real? A, a more quiet habit. <laughs> a more quiet but insidious, horrible <laughs> habit that <laughs> fucks me up. I cannot believe my skin is still this bad, aged 30. It doesn't, I mean... Oh, shut up, Grace. Well, I'm looking, I was actually thinking today it looked clear, but I, there's a, a couple of little hidden it, gems on the side. What happens is it's just really, they're really, really red. Mm. My, um, I hate the, pimples. F- the feeling of it is the worst as well. Yeah. It just feels... feels annoying. But the, the thing is, is I was thinking today as we were watching Pam and Tommy just now that I ran out of all of my skincare months ago and yeah. just haven't bought more i've just been using ad hoc random shit grabbing a simple what's that fucking cleanser that green one simple uh, a simple cetaphil i guess um simple this one this one 
simple skincare. Oh, oh my god, it's literally called simple. Yeah, it's everywhere in the UK. Yes. Boots. Boots. Yeah. And for some fucking reason, also in my house. And so because I haven't wanted to buy more skincare because I'm lazy. Using up the simple. Have been using that sort of crap. So I'm, Just get tret. Well, yeah, I ran out. I feel like skincare is a lie. Because everyone who has perfect skin is using like medical grade products in secret. Yeah. Well, you got me the medical grade products in I secret. I feel like it wasn't fully right. I think it was, but right. I think it was, but it was a, re- a not super strong. Yeah, we need basically the for my birth, my thirtieth birthday. Grace surprised me by ordering this prescription, basically ordering illegal drugs to the UK because it was the prescription only skincare that you have to get through a dermatologist. Yeah, got it on the black, on the dark web, got it on the, on dark the silk web. road. And I'm just going to speak directly to Hannah Nielsen right now. Stop texting me, asking me where I got it because I've told you four hundred times it's from the dark web. She keeps being like, so when you got your retinol, what was the process and what was the blah, blah? I was like, Hannah, I've told you four bazillion times. It's so dark that I've been unable to find it again. Yeah. (laughs) And we can't find it again. I thought I ordered it again for us and like, it was so dodgy. I ordered it and then you don't even pay for it. They call you off a weird phone number and then you have to give your card details. And I was like, nothing suspicious about this. Here you go. (laughs) And then Zach walked in and was like, who are you reading your card details? I was like, four, four, three, two. He was like, stop. (laughs) To some foreigner and calling you. And it was just fine. They just took out the exact amount. It came on time. Yeah. A wonderful service. I'll find out what it's called. Um, Okay. I have a funny story to tell you that I was waiting to tell you on the pod. Yes. But basically the other night I was working in the spare room, which is right beside the kitchen. And my boyfriend was making dinner. And then I heard him go, ah! <laughs> well, like, what was it? It was higher. It was like, ah! <laughs> and, then I, and then I was just like, what? And he goes, Aww, a little ah! yap. <laughs> it's on fire. And then I was like, okay. And I just ignored him because I was like, surely you just put whatever is on fire, it's on fire. into the sink. Like we've all watched MasterChef. So I just ignored him. And then I heard footsteps kind of running around the tiny kitchen and so i walked in and he the tea towel was fully in flames and he was holding above his head waving like he was at a fucking football match and i was like what are you doing put it in the sink and he had and he thought for some reason putting it in water would make it worse so the house no was that's gonna... on like oil fires <laughs> so the house was gonna burn down how did he catch it on fire Oh, uh, kind of easy. It's just like a gas hob. So I think the tea towel was just beside it. <laughs> That's but... why. Even I haven't set a tea towel on fire. Yeah, it did remind me of you sitting... I was going to say, the Domino's... <laughs> Domino the gate? The box and it. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah, that was a... Very traumatic memory of mine. That and Mousegate were my favourite podcast stories you've ever told, I think. I still... Yeah... I still feel like the presence of the mouse in this house. I think that's why I need to smudge to get this like energy out of here. I'm going to smudge in all the little corners that he used to hide in. Imagine if the mouse died and it's a ghost now. It probably is. That's probably where our electricity keeps going out and all sorts of problems we're having is, yeah, the ghost of the mouse. So, yeah. It's like Mr. Big on and just like that, turning the light on and off. Your mouse is turning the electricity on and off. Fucking hell. Okay, so Izzy and I just watched the first episode of Pam and Tommy so we could review it for you guys. <laughs> I wish we'd watched all three. I'm not very hooked, I have to say. 
Well, there were lots of technical difficulties to deal with and two very stupid girlies at yep. the helm of the, That's true. At the epicenter. So it we'd rather do we'd rather like dig through uh, a maze than pay for Disney Plus. <laughs> pay like four dollars for Disney Plus. Those crooks fucking emailed me the other day. I was gonna ask they emailed me to update some article I wrote about Pam and Tommy coming out on Disney Plus. I was like, get out of my inbox, you fucking Go crooks. Away. Did you- <laughs> They are crooks. They are crooks. I, I, know. I was like, I don't know why, but I just will not give them a dollar of my money. No, because what happened was one time we needed to get in there for another podcast thing. I don't know what else they could have oh. had on there, but they had something and I paid like fucking 17 pounds or something. And then you have to, to get the content that I wanted. You had to upgrade more. Oh my God. They have crooks. those extra memberships. They literally are crooks. I don't understand why anyone would have a disney plus like ongoing membership i know unless you just wanted to watch the lion king and (laughs) the simpsons yeah so we watched pam and tommy we got through episode one and well originally grace you'd text me saying that we weren't going to watch it in solidarity with pam yeah and then i said but i want to and you said fine i said you've convinced me (laughs) so yeah basically the whole first episode we're not giving any spoilers away because it's literally just what happens in real life yeah happened 20 years ago (laughs) but um seth rogan is a carpenter and he's there renovating tommy lee's kind of sex dungeon basically so they're putting in swings and he wanted a waterbed and i was like that's so vintage and you said that that's the whole licorice pizza they had like the whole movie is essentially they become waterbed salespeople. spoilers yeah that's (laughs) and i was thinking about waterbeds again because yeah it's set in there Licorice Pizza is set in the 90s, 70s, oh. I think. Sorry, it's when it just started becoming a yeah, thing. Yeah, because they were still such a thing when we were kids. Yeah, so you remember people would have waterbeds yeah. and you'd be like, it's like cool to go to their house. <laughs> yeah, so bad. They're so random. Backs and our posture. I can't believe people slept on those. Neither They're really bad for you, but very fun. Fun? Are I they... can't imagine they're good for sex. Surely they're going to make a comeback yeah. in some way. Anyway... And, yeah, Tommy Lee wants a waterbed. Essentially, he hadn't <laughs> paid Seth Rogen or the other guy the money that he owed them. He owed one of them 17000 the other one 9000 And then Seth Rogen was kind of asking because he kept asking for more and more expensive stuff. And then Seth Rogen's asking him for the money. Anyway, it all culminates in Tommy Lee firing them without paying them. But it's really funny because the whole episode, apart from – about one second at the start where you see Lily James as Pamela on a talk show. The whole episode is Seth Rogen's character and why he stole the sex tape, which I kind of understand and making Tommy Lee look horrible and Pamela's just non-existent. And I kind of get it, but I'm also kind of like, you could have spent about 20 minutes just showing Tommy being rude and holding a gun at your face. And then they went on this little scene of showing Seth Rogen as a child and his dad being really mean to him and him wearing his pants. And I was like, what is the context of this? Yes, it meant to be that he was triggered by Tommy Lee. Yeah, but why? No, I agree. I'm assuming, assuming that each episode will be, if not from a different person's perspective, then like giving people more context. So they'll give Tommy Lee like... Mm. make him seem like less of an asshole and give Pamela an arc or whatever but the whole thing just feels a little bit I don't know like vintagey like something that would have come out maybe four or five years ago and people would have been obsessed with it because it was pre-us reassessing all these situations yes but now because we've done that it just feels a bit 
even how it opens with them loudly having sex over and over again I'm just like this whole thing is Pamela having to relive being sexualized by everyone and it just opens with her like moaning loudly I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) I know yeah and like you say this is something Pamela didn't want to go ahead and Lily James actually did this cover story with Porter and she said that she tried to get in touch with Pam and she really thought that she would kind of work with her and she was had held out hope that she'd get in touch and it's funny because it's easy to kind of like when this started happening and you find out that Pam's not involved and she doesn't want it to happen you kind of feel angry towards Lily James which is like the stupidest person to feel angry towards Mm. because anyone would just play the role if it wasn't for Lily James so it's kind of good that it's someone who actually is going to put care into it but yeah she said that she held out hope and wanted to play her in the best light possible so would you would think then if Lily James is saying that Pam is showing in a good light because surely she would say no if not. Yeah, I agree. She's like a pretty prestige actor, so she probably wouldn't have taken the part if... But I guess you don't know how it's going to be shot. It didn't give her, yeah, like a good arc and like good kind of... Didn't contextualize Pam in like a sympathetic way. Mm. But I also just... It's... Yeah, I just think about if this was me and this was the worst situation of my career and I'd spent 25 years trying to move past it and then all of a sudden it was what everyone was talking about again because of a TV show, you'd just be so pissed off. Yeah, and also that relationship with Tommy Lee was abusive Mm. and now she's having to see everyone kind of glamorizing it again. Yeah. I think the show is going to be popular Obviously, everyone's interested in Pam and Tommy, but I think genuinely Lily James's transformation is like what makes me want to watch it. Yeah, same. It's like the main yeah pull, which is quite crazy. It's Emmy Props bait. to her. I don't feel like Sebastian Stan from the first episode alone is particularly well cast, but maybe we give him time. He seems nerdy. Yeah, it's just not his. I don't even know who Sebastian Stan is. He's one of those guys that's just in everything. Oh, I think we've talked about this on the pod already. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like Army Hammer-esque. He was also in Gossip Girl. Was he? Yeah. But I I think he's a pretty good actor, so we'll give him time. Most important question I asked when we watched it was, would you bus Seth Rogen? Which I had to think about in my own mind for quite a while. Probably. Yeah, I'm leaning towards yes, mm. even though I find him a bit annoying. Yeah. I like that he came out against James Franco. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, ages ago. With really? All, yeah, with, when all the allegations came out, he said he'd never work with James Franco again. Wow, because yeah. they're like really good friends. Yeah. Oh, I like him now. Yeah. And he does that like, bus. pottery. Yeah. Wood bus, 100%. Does the pottery. Yeah, love him. <laughs> An ally. I was trying to say that, but I was trying to think of a way to weave pottery in. (laughs) A clay clay making ally. (laughs) We stand. Okay, also, we must note that Kirsten and Kirsten were both nominated for Oscars. Congrats to the girlies. So, wait, Kristen. The fuck are their names? Kristen Stewart. 
Kirsten, yeah, Kristen, Kristen and Kirsten. Kirsten Dunst. Yes. Proud, happy. <laughs> I think Kirsten Dunst will definitely win. I thought she had some stiff competition, but now looking at the list, I feel like she doesn't and she probably will win. Well, I haven't seen <laughs> West Side Story, Belfast or King Richard, but the lost daughter, Jessie Buckley, is very good. But I think the Oscars are just full of shit now anyway, and I think the chat around Kirsten needing to have won one years ago will make them just give it to her because they understand how irrelevant they are that if they just give her one and everyone will be happy and stoked. Yes, agree. I, it'll be exciting to see what she wears. I'm predicting... Rodate. Rodate. I'm predicting like a buttercup yellow color, something in that That's cute. realm. Yeah, or that pinky color that they... Or a pink one, yeah. They do. With Jessie Plemons, that'll be really cute because she'll give him a big smooch when she wins and then she'll say, I love you, Jessie Plemons. And then she just did her Architectural Digest tour, AD house tour. Mm, I haven't seen it. And it's kind of weird. It's like not a tour. It's like her describing the house with photos of the house. Like she didn't want them to come into the house. (laughs) It's very dark and there's lots of ships and it's, it's kind of random. Lots of ships. Yeah. Did you see Gwyneth's? Yes, mm-hmm. Gwyneth was predictably Perfect. knocked. Yeah, amazing. She's so, she's so rich. Of course. Goop made her all her money. It is so crazy how many celebrities pivot off and just have all of these brands behind the scenes that you just have no idea about that are making them bazillions more money. That's, That's so what's true. so fucked about capitalism is they make so much money just from being actors, millions and millions of dollars, and then they all own... Alcohol companies, beauty brands, bars, restaurants. Yeah, like how Robert De Niro owns Nobu. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's they like own, such they common all knowledge. own everything. But yeah, so she made all her money from Goop. But I love so much that she has a whole, whole huge at-home spa, which obviously yeah, you would. Yeah, that's so chic. It's so fucking chic. And she was just like, I'm into wellness, so it makes sense. I'm so jealous of her. Her, like, random husband struck gold in the most obscene way. I know. He also seems quite cool and chill, though. Yeah, I'm proud of he's, him. He has hot energy. Do you think? I, th- I don't think he's hot, but I think he had. I think he would have that very uh, confident kind of... I'm unfazed that you're Gwyneth yes. Paltrow energy. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize this. Did you know that to this day Gwyneth still smokes one cigarette a month? What is that? That's (laughs) disciplined. Yeah, disciplined. And hilarious. But kind of pointless. But I think she would get drunk and be like, this is my trick. This is my one of my. You know how, like. Yeah. Yeah. That's her. That's How I I have a cinnamon bun. She has a cigarette. A dart. Yeah. Love it. Love it for Gwyneth. I think that Kristen Stewart is actually in with a, a shot to win her first Oscar thoughts yes unless it's please do not tell me that gaga got nominated because i might literally scream she didn't but she'll be really upset about that that performance was not oscar worthy i know but she doesn't know (laughs) (laughs) did jared leto get nominated father no he didn't house of gucci oh my god that is such poetic justice that all those people were so annoying in House of Gucci, like overacting so extremely. Wait, None of them got best nominated. Supporting actor. Did you see? Oh, Jesse Plemons got nominated too. Oh, Jare. that's so Jare. What if they both win? 
That would have been the cutest they thing. They actually might. Kieran Hines, Troy, J.K. Simmons. That kid won't win. What kid? That's in The Power of the Dog. Oh, yeah. Jesse Plemons, they might both win. That would be fucking gorgeous. That That's obviously his first Oscar nomination too, would it be? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <Okay. laughs> that's how much research, research we do. we've done. Okay, best actress. Jessica Chastain, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Don't get the vibe she's going to win. Olivia Coleman can't win again. Penelope Cruz might win for Parallel Mothers. I love Penelope Cruz. She's so good. I had tickets to see Parallel Mothers Saturday night and I was so tired that I had to leave just before the movie started. <laughs> How's that for Jaro? <laughs> It was at 8 p.m. You fall asleep. I was like, I need to go to every movie. I know. This time I fell asleep basically before, before we went in. What? I was like, Let's get, I need to get Who this old with? dog to bed. Just some Just friends. a bunch of friends. And you like left. <laughs> Me and Zach both left. Yeah, we were both pretty tired. <laughs> it was really sad and embarrassing. But yeah, okay. Penelope Cruz or Christian Stewart, I think. Nicole Kidman, I just don't think. It's not her year. It's not her year. Yeah. We're going, off, we're going off Kristen. vibes and energy only, but you're pretty good with your predictions. Yeah, my 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 cosmic energy is telling me that Kristen or Penelope, mm-hmm. leaning towards Penelope. Really? Yeah. Have you seen this movie? No, but I've read a lot about her performance in it. Right. I mean, because sometimes they do Kristen Stewart like this is her movie that gets her nominated for an Oscar, and then the neck, you know, they they make you work a little hard for it. But then Emma Stone won for La La Land, which is what I just always come back to. And I'm like, maybe it's just easy to win was an Oscar. Was there any... I think there was, like, nothing else happening that year, right? That was when they were still not giving women any parts in Hollywood. Yeah. So the best supporting category was really competitive and best actress was, like, no one. Right. Like when Brie Larson... We've talked about this. Brie, Brie Larson. Larson winning for Room is, like, so random. I can't actually remember her performance in that. But I want to say good, but it's something like, that's controversial. Mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Me again. Me back with the Kristen Stewart hate. She was like good in that. I, I agree. I don't but think I don't think yeah. she was crazy in it. I agree. Lest we forget the opening. But I think scene. she did that on purpose in the opening scene. Mm. I think she overacted that on purpose to show how fake Diana is with fans. So I mm-hmm. kind of understand that. But, but even I think that it, was – that could have been a bit more nuanced to getting that point across. Yeah, yeah. She was, like, jerking her head around. And like, yeah. yeah. But I think the rest of it, I just – yeah, I don't know. I was like, we get it. She was just like, darling. I know. I saw, like, a clip on Twitter or something of her being like, agent, blah, 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 oh, no, no, like, talking to the kids like she was a, yes. a, a commander. And I was like, this isn't actually very good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, on to a hotly anticipated piece of journalism that's hitting... What are you going to say? I don't know. The airwaves tomorrow. All right, I wrote a piece, basically. He wrote a piece coming out. Now this is like the snake eating its tail. Like the podcast helps us pitch and then we use our stories that we pitch to help the podcast keep feeding ourselves. Izzy's written a story for Dazed that should be out by the time you guys hear this about how in amongst all of the return of Y2K, late 90s aesthetics, the kind of next stage of that is this very troubling comeback of, like, the heroin chic aesthetic. Yeah, so basically I've been noticing and then I've had this confirmed because I started writing the piece and spoke to so many other women who have been noticing the same thing and a lot of people I spoke to were actually AWD listeners. Mm. Shout out to the girlies. About how, obviously, Y2K, low-rise jeans. Grace, you wrote a great piece for British Vogue about the return of low-rise jeans and kind of the toxic body image that it glorified at the time and how a return to that is just making a whole generation of millennials who were impacted the first time feel like shit. And so I think low-rise jeans were the first part where we all clocked on and we were all like, oh, God. Triggered, yeah. Yeah, we're triggered by this. But then you kind of... I think until you really interrogate what you've been seeing recently on the TV and in the media, you don't realize how insidious it's become and how mm. this return to thinness is actually happening. And we're not just going crazy and we're not all having these like thoughts about our bodies and feeling um, insecure and feeling, you know, gross, even though we're the same weight or just, just feeling funny. And you think, why is that happening? You know, it's only Y2K you know, you can just ignore that, rah, rah, rah. But then, yeah, you look a bit closer and it's just kind of everywhere. So I did this piece where I was looking at the trends and how it's going through indie sleaze, which is obviously very tightly linked to heroin chic in its aesthetics. But then also the Tumblr girl era, which Vogue declared was back, you know, the 2014 Tumblr girl, which I'm like, wasn't Tumblr kind of over by 2014? Yeah, I feel like it's earlier than that. I know. I think there's, there's the old Gen Zers and the younger millennials then, but for us it was obviously earlier. Yes. Is back. And then I was reading their piece and I was like, how are you guys not mentioning that Tumblr was largely made up of kind of glamorizing sadness and glamorizing depression and, you know, these really sad Lana Del Rey quotes and and girls dressed like Effie Stoneham from Skins and these online communities, which were really unmonitored at the time because community guidelines were just like non-existent and it was just teenagers jumping on and doing whatever that really glorified. There was so much pro-anorexia content and forums on there 
and that made up so much of Tumblr of so many millennials mm. at the time. And so I just found it really worrying and troubling how people are declaring these trends are back, but then not saying what that literally means in, in, a, in a sense. And it's like even the twee aesthetic brings to mind Blair Waldorf and Alexa Chung mm. and yeah Indie Sleaze is Pixie Geldof and now it's Megan Fox and Y2K is Bella Hadid and Dua Lipa and all these people have the exact same bodies Mm -hmm. yeah no I feel so fascinated by this topic as well I think there's so 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 much to unpack in it and it's coming at us so quickly but I do feel like the parallel between euphoria and skins is a good place massive to look at analyze how this is operating because I think for us growing up, or I don't know if it was the same for you, but Skins was, I remember discovering Skins and I felt like my life changed overnight. It was, I suddenly was like, this is what I want my teenage years to be like, style wise, lifestyle wise, everything about it just felt like the epitome of cool. And there's obviously troubling things that was all about drug taking and whatever, but that is really what euphoria has kind of done is repackage that skins aesthetic for the modern era. And I think that within that, all of the questions about why it is that we're attracted to these shows and these characters start to rear their heads again. And there is no question that that kind of glamorized Kate Moss type girl, which is what everyone refers to when they refer to indie sleaze. It's like the Kate Moss at Glastonbury, Amy Winehouse, Effie Sonam type of thing where, you're smoking and your eye makeup smudged and you're wearing barely any clothes and you don't give a shit and you're always hungover and you're just effortlessly hot. It's kind of embodied by Rue, I guess, in Well, Euphoria. I mean, she, the thing with Euphoria now, especially on the most latest episode, is it's obviously finally showing the downside of these drugs. Yes. Instead of kind of – because it, basically it wasn't ever glamorizing Rue's behavior, but it was kind of normalizing it. Mm. And especially with Elliot, who's this hot new guy who you see, and he talks about taking heroin with her and doing all these drugs with her, but he just looks super normal, and he's hooking up with Hunter Schaefer, and you yeah. have a crush on him. Yes. And so it's kind of like they don't really glamorize the drug taking, but they glamorize the partying. And I know that obviously Kat – Barbie Ferreira's character is, is a main character in the show, but Sydney Sweeney's always the one that's naked. This is something I've always wondered about Zendaya as well, because people obsess over her because she is this fantastic actress and she is so beautiful. But I feel like a lot of the aesthetic glamorization of Zendaya is also tied to her thinness. And that's such oh, a huge 100%. part of the Rue character as well. Even though she's wearing baggy clothes all the time or whatever, it's like the lifestyle plus the aesthetic combined. It just seems to be, like inherently tied to this really fucked up 90s idea of thinness, which heroin chic embodied. And I think you're so right to point out the fact that we're walking a very, very wobbly line by getting back into that aesthetic again. Even like I see a shit about Amy Winehouse way more now mm. than I ever used to. Old stuff like on TikTok, you see so much shit about 90s Kate Moss again, even though that's always been a thing that people are obsessed with. It just feels as if maybe the, a new generation's discovering it for the first time or people are just finding it cool again after years of this hyper-polished Instagram aesthetic. There's something grungy and cool about it that feels interesting. Yeah. But we have no visual reference points when looking back to women of different body shapes who embody that aesthetic. So all we're seeing is the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I guess, as I just said, they're not glamorizing Rue heroin use or drug use but then she is sort of as a cool character she's Mm. the cool character that you relate to she's the main character you love her 
Um, but yeah, as you say, which is like an interesting point that I made in the piece and I made it in the piece in a small way. And then my editor was like, wait, that's such an important point. Elaborate on that. And it's what you're saying. And that pushback against basically heroin chic. And I, and I think everyone will kind of be, everyone, maybe if you hear me say like, I'm worried about the comeback of heroin chic, you'd be like, of course, we're not going to be doing heroin again, but it's not the drugs. Basically, not everyone was doing drugs, but you were just glamorizing. No, it, was, you a, it was a fashion like, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah if yeah. you looked like you were. So it's about pale skin. It's about dark under eye circles. It's about disheveled hair and clothing. It's about being waif thin. And the original wave in the 90s came about as the fashion industry. So it actually had kind of an interesting beginning. And that was because it was kind of this rebellion against the glossy hedonism of the 80s when, you know, neoliberalism was taking off and parties and glamour and everyone had heaps of money and everyone was just like drinking champagne. And so it started as a way for the fashion industry to push against that and be like, this is reality. Reality is dark and grunge. And it was like a time when so many people had no money and the disparities in the wealth gap were massive. And now, as you kind of just pointed out, what we're seeing is this pushback against the wellness industry. And we're seeing a pushback against what we've been told, which is, you know, girl boss and goopified wellness trends. And now we're just like, fuck that. And it kind of feels like we're pushing back towards indie sleaze and all of these trends. But at the same time, the body positivity movement is like waning at the same time. And it was interesting. The people I was speaking to were saying literal like actual examples of going into stores where they used to stock plus size, the plus size racks have shrunk. Revolve was an example that used to have plus size models all over its site that just doesn't have them anymore. Mm. And then I spoke to a girl anonymously who said she works at a high fashion brand, a really popular, really common brand. And their Pinterest board is all thin white models now. And because we're moving away from curves and the BBL era is apparently over, which is like another element to this like a massive element to this Mm -hmm. because if the kardashians who changed the culture in such a huge way towards curves are actually listening their bbls and like getting smaller as they date like machine gun kelly and pete davidson who are the embodiment of heroin chic yes pete davidson literally looks like he's got heroin hooked to his veins 24 (laughs) 7 then that's that is a massive point and they said that people higher up in their company are saying that the fashion trends now just don't suit those body shapes so it's actually happening yeah and this was the thing that was always so scary about any kind of push towards inclusivity in fashion something that i've always been fearful about and i think you're the same is that Firstly, fashion is so fickle. There's such a whiplash to the way something goes in and out of fashion and the way people clamor around it that the way that diversity and inclusivity has been turned into such a trend over the last five, six years has been so troubling because it has been positioned in a way where brands get kind of clout and are seen as cool and in and on top of the conversations and on top of the culture if they're being inclusive but the problem with that is that the flip side is that there'll be a time where that's not quote unquote cool anymore and if it's not a proper genuine slow meaningful move towards proper inclusivity then there's a chance that this will all just be forgotten about in five years and we'll just be you know with a bungee cable you stretch all the way out then it just flicks straight back again it's like that's what i'm worried the fashion industry will do basically it's always been a concern and I think it's really good to talk about this now we're not being 
dramatic. It's not like all this work has been undone suddenly, but it's just very good to be like vigilant and aware of these things as they're happening so that we can kind of discuss it and make sure that all of these gains that we've been making over the last few years aren't lost. But that's but that's what it feels like. It feels as though no one's talking about what we're seeing. Yes. And all we're seeing is Olivia Rodrigo and Bella Hadid and these tiny ambassadors. And even at Fashion Week, as you say, there's a couple of plus size models on the runway and it's basically Paloma and Preciously and that other chick with the bob, Gia. Gia, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Gia tequila, Everywhere. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not enough and also i was reading an interview with barbie ferreira who i fucking love um yesterday and she was just saying it is impossible for me as a famous actress on euphoria beautiful gorgeous plus-size woman who's also a model and who has 4.4 million followers on her instagram she said it's impossible for her to get dressed she was like i find it the, no brands cater to me. I have to get clothes custom made. And she was like, this is me with all of the power I have. Mm-hmm. Still struck. She was, and then she goes, if I had the access that other women had, I would be fucking flying. Yes. Like, there's all these obstacles in the way. Exactly. Even when I interviewed Emily Ratajkowski, she was saying that, I was saying to her, do you think that there has been, like, a major shift in the fashion industry in terms of, you know, age diversity or size diversity. And she basically, which was off the back of the Linda Evangelista stuff. And she was saying that even the girls who don't fit sample size on the runway, they're having cosmetic surgery to fit certain proportions, even as plus size women. Like there is still a beauty standard within that, that is so informed by the Kardashian aesthetic that even if you are a plus size model, you're expected to have, hips at a certain ratio to your waist and a flat stomach a flat stomach still and your butt looks a certain way and it's it's all still fitting within this very restricted beauty mold and i think as anyone who has read the beauty myth would know the beauty standards are so restrictive and so limiting and so much a part of capitalism they're so much a part of how we keep getting sold things that these brands aren't going to give it up very easily yeah (laughs) you know it's yeah yeah and i think they're also brands now are pivoting towards gen z and this they're kind of figuring out what gen z want and what gen z want is so dictated by tiktok and what you're seeing on tiktok as one amazing awd listener told me for the piece is she went to a support group um because it's so it's it was just really sad speaking to so many women because you you understand that lockdown was so difficult for so many people but when you actually speak to them it's just it's actually insane how much this period has cost our mental health and she was talking about not only lockdown but also y2k and everything like that and then she said was talking about tiktok and she said you see these quote unquote normal girls doing making a recipe or doing a dance or like cleaning the house, doing cleaning hacks, pranking their boyfriends, getting ready for a night out, doing all these TikTok videos. And they are so thin. And you think, if they're just normal girls, why don't I look like that? Yeah. When really the reason you're seeing that video and the reason they're popular on TikTok is because they do look like that. But you just, you wouldn't think that in your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain doesn't put two and two together. And I think that's how insidious the media is right now. Because when I was doing this piece, just example upon example kept popping up. And I want to like read a few out just so people are kind of, a bit more aware of what's going on. Like the New York times declaring smoking is back. Yes. And they used a photo that could have been taken like directly from a nineties 
heroin chic magazine spread. Yeah, the BBLs are apparently... And when they say, sorry, when they say smoking is back, last year was the first time in like 30 years or something that smoking rates went up instead mm-hmm. of down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so dark under eye circles are cool again. So Great news for me. Yeah, so people are wanting to look gaunt. People are wanting to kind of... Like a, a video showing people how to fake dark under eye circles with concealer oh has been viewed on TikTok 8 million times. Um, there's also been predictions by creative agencies about the move away from wellness, skincare, and to party girl beauty. And there's been all these brands popping up. There's a brand called 4AM, which held its launch party at a New York club and um, has on its website a photo of a model drinking champagne because they want to show you out and, like, with your eyeliner all smudged and partying. And, like, it obviously just all directly links to drugs and thinness. And it's just quite crazy. Even, like, Robert Pattinson's GQ cover shoot is gorgeous and it's a really cool work of art but it is taken directly from heroin chic yeah it's like the fight club gaunt drug addict aesthetic even the julia fox eye makeup stuff yeah the eye makeup and like the party and that whole thing of like it's very cool now you know it's (laughs) even julia fox even kanye dating julia fox after kim kardashian and her having her pale taut tummy on display with her black latex and her smudged eyeliner and her yeah partying all night she's partying at lucian like in the back room with glasses and glasses of champagne and talking openly about how she was a drug addict for years and has overdosed and like there is that thing it's a total antithesis to kim kardashian who as everyone knows like doesn't even drink doesn't drink the kardashian family are very into fitness and they're not wellness quote-unquote wellness people but they're that vibe. Courtney would have your Courtney, neck for yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen her? What's it called? Poosh. Poosh. Oh my god. But yeah, it's it's totally that thing where I think it's and there's it's it's obviously nuanced because there's elements to which this kind of like when people started talking about the indie thing coming back. For me, I felt very excited about it in the sense of like I've always felt pretty not at home with the girl bossy aesthetic of like being up really early and exercising and just having like an, a planner and looking really slick and having a slick bun and mm. clean makeup and high heels and tailoring and all of that stuff. Like that aesthetic has always felt kind of not exciting to me. And so there's something about people wanting to like grunge it up and make things a little bit cooler and less tight and more loose. Less LA, more New York. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Less LA, more New York. I think that vibe is really exciting and that that doesn't necessarily have to equate with these very restrictive old beauty standards. But yeah, you can't really talk about one without the other. That's the other thing is in the 90s and early 2000s, it was before the body positivity movement. So everyone was like, what you remember of it is thinness so now it's basically our role as the millennials who lived through that fucking era to make sure that doesn't happen for Gen Z. Because mm-hmm. the, so like this girl Mandy Lee, old loser in Brooklyn on TikTok, she actually did a thing because she was talking about the twee aesthetic coming back and everyone was slamming her kind of saying or slamming the trend and saying that that was only for thin girls. And she was actually like, well, actually, there were a lot of plus size people who were in the twee world and... We just didn't know about it because of body positivity. And mm-hmm. that was actually one of the first trends that really got these plus size bloggers their start in their careers, mm-hmm. which is true. And basically it's like now we need to ensure 
that we don't let the media push us back into thinking that just because we go back to the 90s and because we go back to grunge being cool like I'm all for exactly like I'm all for grunge and all for these looks they're obviously way fucking cooler yes but it's like making sure that we realize that it doesn't need to equate to thinness which I think is like what the media is reverting back to yes and to be and to be just like even mindful that this is something that's being put into our brains yes it's not our fault if we're feeling a certain way it's because it's being shoved in our fucking faces everywhere we look like on tv in magazines on Instagram, on TikTok, most of all. Mm-hmm. TikTok is so bad for it. TikTok is really bad for it. Yeah. T- yeah. TikTok is really like choose your own adventure in terms of like <laughs> yeah. the depths of depression or like yeah. a very insightful afternoon. Yes. I also think to touch on it quickly, we've been talking about disassociative feminism, which is a 2019 article in BuzzFeed that's been like kind of doing the rounds again in the last week or so. And it's basically a lot of people use Fleabag as like the best example of this, this kind of type of female character that is a hot mess. And again, the smudged eye makeup, the smoking, the hungover the next day, they're not really giving a shit, not trying. It's basically not trying and how that connects to this idea of disassociating from caring too much about the world and becoming very like, uh, I don't know if the word's nihilistic, yeah, solipsistic, like viewing everything through your own lens and becoming so obsessed with yourself and your own issues and your own experiences that you're no longer really interested in like the progression of movements or caring it's basically caring too much in this yeah, it whole just doesn't give thing. a fuck about anything and you kind just of don't care <laughs> yeah yeah apathetic about the world and about her future and just kind of being like i don't give a fuck yes and then yeah so both of us i sent you a tiktok about it and you were about to send it to me and it was just a girl pulling up this article and when she explained it, I was like, this is what I've been seeing everywhere, but hadn't put a name to it. Yes. And it's that thing of you feeling, you're, you're kind of embarrassed if you're too keen or earnest. Or yeah. You, yeah, like it's like literally making people feel embarrassed if you yes. uh, talk about sexual misconduct. To, you know, like yes. people just being like, oh, here we go. Back to that who cares thing, which is just so fucking insane. And And I think... There's been this glorification of that recently, which also really closely links to heroin chic as well, I think. Yes. Like, yeah, it's like the the mindset that goes with the aesthetic. Yes. And I yeah, I think what happened as well is that we all just got I feel like our podcast probably you could even go from like the first podcast we did to now and kind of track this happening in real time where mm. there was this real earnestness of like wanting social change and Brett Kavanaugh and everyone being like, This is fucked and Donald Trump and like anger and then it all started to just become so it became so annoying like it started to become a meme of itself the way that people would virtue signal on social media and brands were saying doing all these really embarrassing black lives matter shticks and it just all started to feel so vacuous and people pulled away because and so much was happening all the time that you couldn't actually actively care all the time so it was like a protective thing to disassociate because you're like i can't feel everything about all of these situations and you also start to understand how much is beyond your control and you just start to feel like nothing you do matters yes which i think is is obviously an unhealthy way to feel but i definitely have been feeling like that with things like climate change i was so passionate about marching with greta in switzerland marching with greta in switzerland with a fucking bung eye (laughs) and now i'm now i just feel so much less passionate about it not because i don't care but because i i just don't 
it, you look at what governments are doing and you're just like, how the fuck is me recycling this? Uh, obviously I recycle, but I'm like, how is how, how does it make any difference? I do it yes. because maybe it might, but I definitely don't think it fucking does. Totally. There is like a nihilism that's, I don't know if it's come on because of the pandemic. It has a little bit, but I felt like this recently where I just feel a bit like, what's the point about anything? It just, I think the, the pandemic really expose a lot of these structures that we were existing around as being uh, what's the word not false prophets but something like that like I remember when I was younger I would think oh my god maybe one day I'll like win an Oscar like I'll write a screenplay and win an Oscar or I'll do whatever and now it's just like the Golden Globes don't mean anything. All of these institutions that have rewarded people through the history of time have been proven to be like racist or sexist or institutionally corrupt or the like only affected way by you, <laughs> the only way you win a Golden Globe is if you you were born into it. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's just no one really gets anywhere based on pure merit and like yeah. you, I just feel like we're in a bit of a cynical moment. But there's literally no reason to get sucked in by it you can just pick and choose the things that you like so if you don't want to wear like lazy stuff and wear like ripped tights and doc martens <laughs> that's cute i thought we were talking about disassociative feminism what no, are you but, talking but it's about all connected. it's yeah. all connected like it's like you can just cherry pick things out of this aesthetic that you actually just like and resonate with and you can just say fuck off to everything else yes. like it's cool to care about shit it's cool to like keep doing all the things that we've spent the last 10 years doing yeah i, I so my boyfriend is actually a dissociative feminist yes like in a way where we're basically he's he's just kind of cynical and just he's he's like the opposite of my personality and when we were in the cave and it was really funny because we met a girl and she looked at us both one day after about a week of knowing us and was like you guys are opposites you <laughs> he you are so positive and vibrant and like energetic and he is the complete opposite of you and <laughs> in, a, in a way of just being like he's like hilarious but he he's that yeah. he's that kind of black humor and just yeah. he's dry he, he's just dry and he is always just being very nihilistic about everything and i was like that's not gonna i think what i'm basically trying to say is that doesn't change me into thinking the way he thinks and i actually think it's kind of lame to just think that everything is lame because i'm like it's just not um so i just don't think we should let this dissociative feminism take over also another huge point about disassociative feminism is that a lot of people who are choosing to disassociate is because they can and you can choose to kind of switch off from issues because they don't impact you directly so you can switch off from black lives matter if you are white a white kind of thing Mm -hmm. so it also is just being good feminists and good Yes. Women to our other women and to everyone around us to actually just keep caring and, and this ignoring shit isn't lame trends. People. Yeah, like it's you know, we talk about thing in the state of trends, but like how you actually want to live your life as a person and the things that are important to you and your value system, what you care about is forever. And it's really <laughs> nice to be passionate about stuff. Let's go to another march, Izzy, with our two broken eyes. I bought a keep cup and a recyclable water bottle nice Not i carry my water bottle everywhere it was really funny because i will just end this on a other crazy cayman story but i <laughs> roped into getting drunk one night with joe holder who's uh, this amazing personal trainer from new york very hot i might add but also just very kind and caring and genuinely wants to make a difference in the world and i've actually found it really really inspiring to be around him and we all got drunk one night and we went down to the beach and we were all chatting and then 
I just got in this conversation with him where I was like, I just do feel like nothing I do matters anymore. Where I used to be so passionate about all of these things. And we had this amazing conversation where he just proved to me that if you start small and you start community minded, which I know we've talked about before, you can just change so many things. So he works in the personal fitness space, but now he's moved into wellness, but wellness in the way that wellness should have been in terms of community and people and actually helping those around you and and now he's kind of gone into these corporations who want to work with him because he's kind of famous and he trains Naomi Campbell and Bella Hadid and everyone and he gets them to donate money towards charities and he's actually working from the inside out to make this change and I know this is like so corny and so embarrassing but I genuinely wake up and in the mornings when I lie in bed I go and watch his Instagram stories because they're so motivating Mm. and they actually make me feel like I want to make a difference. And I was even thinking the other day, I was like, what could you do? I was like riding in my stupid little pink moleskin. And I was like, I did this thing, which my therapist taught me, which is like, write down things you're passionate about and write down things that make you happy and then try and involve those things more in your life as much as you can. And I was thinking about like the things Joe was talking about and so much of it resonated with me. And I was like, how can you get involved in that? Like think about things like that and just be like, how can I involve myself? And I'm actually going to think of something out of my pea brain when I get a chance and go to him and say, I want to help you with this. I want to be involved in this. Like what's some way that we can like bring some element of this to London and you know, it's like finding people that motivate you, I think. Yes. And like part of the reason that you can feel helpless or whatever, like not good about yourself in regards to these things is probably because you're not doing things that will actually nourish you and fill you up and make you feel amazing. Because like Sophia Rowe talked about that where she just said that, we have such an individually based idea of what wellness is now that we go and spend $200 on a massage and think, why don't I feel better in like the core of mm-hmm. who I am? Whereas yes. like if you spent time, yeah, doing something community minded or actually getting involved in a cause that you care about, that's the like, actual stuff that nourishes you and makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd recommend listening back to our Sophia Rowe episode because that's where she says that. Yes. And following Joe on Instagram. He's quite good looking, so you could just do it for that fact alone, and then you might get some tips on having a positive mindset. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend's like, why are you always watching that guy's stories? No, he thinks he's hot too, so. Gorgeous. Both fans. Um, Um, Okay. Okay, we're going to Patreon now. Bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.